0: May I say the bowels of our society that's not going away is extremism. We talked about it earlier, and we know that we're waiting for this data in the city of Toronto. We also were talking about the belief in conspiracy theories and how it's even higher here in Canada than we would have thought. And we're seeing it play out in front of the world with the January 6th committee hearings. And we're learning how those theories and the big lie and the manipulation and all the things connected with conspiracy theories and why they're used certainly politically had such an outcome as those images of the violence in January six. How is it used and who uses it? Where does it come from? And what kind of a threat do these extremists that we keep hearing more and more about make to our safety we are joined by ruth marshall a religious and political studies professor at the university of toronto ruth marshall thank you for joining us
1: thanks so very much for having me on um, i'm delighted to be given an opportunity to talk about some of these really scary and pressing issues i was very busy over the weekend so i just caught up last night with the hearings, and frankly i was surprised by how much we were able to see and how well they got the message across that um, essentially at the end of the day, once the, the members of his staff who are on this team normal had said their piece, the president went off with team, I don't know what we'll call it. I don't like to use epithets, but team Looney Tunes with Rudy Giuliani, apparently he drunk the whole time, a, a kind of traveling show of lawyers and conspiracy theorists who are making, out, making the most ludicrous sorts of accusations. All of this is going on around the same time that we're, Having a, a massive wave of disinformation about the COVID-19 pandemic, right? So the hearings for me are really kind of a, I have to say it quite frankly, a, a kind of spectacle that, that is demonstrating to the rest of the world the death of American democracy, well, drive. that's the fear.
0: That's the fear, Ruth. Here, as we're watching yeah. it, so why we're watching it with Canadian eyes? It's not. Yeah. It's not an American political story. This no. is leader of the free world. This is the exactly. bright and shining city on the sea. This is democracy, and we're using right. that word, and we're worried about it. And one one of the things we're seeing here, Ruth, is. You know some of us have been worried about this for a long time and wow that committee is not playing around. They're serious and they're laying it out how close it came. It is surprising the layers that were in place considering yeah. this was a big lie.
1: Absolutely and it's it's much I've been sort of tracking or following these right-wing groups for I've well, been sitting right-wing and sort of evangelical Christianity for 35 years and largely in the Global South, but for the last seven in the U.S. And I've, I've been, frankly, stunned by the acceleration that's occurred over the period of the Trump presidency, because these are tendencies that we've been recognizing for a very long time. And, if you you know, these are, there are media ecosystems in America and then in the world where a kind of Christian evangelical crowd really has its whole media environment. Um, and if you live in it, as I do for research, I've been, we've been noticing these trends, but, you know, they were worrying. But I wasn't ready to put my hat and say, They're going to win. They're going to win the culture wars. They're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which I don't know what generation you're from, but I marched. My daughters are of the age that I was marching now, and I simply can't believe that this is actually happening, even as I have studied this this development. And and so I think it's shocking to many of us how close it came. And I think Canadians can't afford to be complacent for, for a couple of reasons. The first one I would argue is that I do believe, despite its... It's very checkered history and it's white supremacy in its sort of founding thin, as it were on, on chattel slavery. America has a, had, it had a revolution, and it has a very democratic culture. that is incredibly tenacious. And we see that this is only as strong as this trust in institutions. Canada, I would argue, has less of, less of that, at least historically. And I think we have a much bigger problem on our hands. Then we realize it's not my ex- expertise, actually, Canada, sadly, even as I'm a Canadian. But I've been paying attention simply because it was inevitable. I mean, the truckers came to Ottawa mm-hmm. and in that group, I have found a lot, very much the same rhetoric that I've been finding, you know, in the far right, white Christian nationalist, neo-fascist um, or charismatic Christian Crabs that I've been studying very closely. Um, And I think we really can't be too careful. And Nelson, I think we'll be speaking to in the future, has a lot to say about the money that's coming in, particularly the last election in Ontario. I'm not familiar enough to be able to speak to it. But there are these issues. These are global questions. And it's actually not just an American problem. But of course, (laughs) we know that if American sovereignty fails, American democracy fails, ours is not long after it. So I think Canadians really have to wake up.
0: No, it and isn't. We depend on America. System. We have a, a financial relationship. We have a trade relationship. We depend on America for defense.
1: Absolutely. And we
0: saw how clear, and look what we're seeing. We're seeing Vladimir Putin, who stood next to the former president, Donald Trump, and, and Donald Trump defended him. And now we're seeing Ukraine. I mean, everything ties in. Ruth Marshall, when we look at these January 6 hearings, there is a feeling connected with it. As I said, they mean business. Yes. but there's also a realism here we have experience we have year after year and we see almost a radicalization it's very hard to convince people that what they've what they fallen for is is a big lie do you see that this is at a as an inflection point do you think that the hearings are going to change anything
1: um i wish i did can mm-hmm. people change something i don't they're not going to change the minds of they already convicted and those who are full-on engaged in what Richard Hofstadter called the paranoid style in U.S. politics. That's back in 1964. And he says he called it the paranoid style simply because no other word adequately evokes the sense of heated exaggeration, suspiciousness, and conspiratorial fantasy. Right? So this is something that comes up re- regularly. In the 50s, we had the Know Nothing Party, and they were a bunch of conspiratorial sort of you know populist, anti-elitist, uh, you know, know Nothing says it all. I think that there is actually a real danger because we have on the one hand a group of very determined individuals, Council of National Policy, that Ann Nelson wrote this ex- excellent book Shadow Network on, um, and what I would call—I'm not sure if the right word—I, you know, academic terms, I would call it a kind of epistemological environment—an environment and a of knowledge where facts are, are, are completely up for grabs—and mm-hmm. I think it has a great deal to do with the importance in, in American society, but not only, because of, this is a global phenomenon, of uh, a certain type of religious mindset or spiritual approach to things. And I would argue that this is what we're seeing happen. There's, part of this is, you know, a longstanding uh, part of American history. Evangelical Christianity is a long role to play in American the construction of American democracy, right? The anti-abolitionist civil rights movement. But at the same time, what we're seeing today is, is this essentially of a very paranoid style of religiosity that comes out of, uh, I would argue, starts in the Reagan years with the charismatic revival. Globally, it's called the, the third wave, and it stretches and creates, in the space of the last 50 years, half a billion, you know, and the, there were no Pentecostals or charismatics at the turn of the 20th century, and now we're looking at half a billion to three-quarters of a billion, and there's been a massive growth in this type of Religiosity, this type of spirituality. And it's given a new life to some degree, at least politically, to some of the American because And a lot of this stuff is circulating globally. And so, Left Behind series, Tim LaHaye, um, he was, you know, these famous apocalyptic Christian novels that were made into terrible movies where everybody gets raptured. He's a man who was one of the founders of the CNP, describes gay people as vile. That the Illuminati are conspiring to establish a New World Order, the tax Catholicism, even works for the John Birch Society. Another important person and another important strand of American Christianity that's at play today is Reconstructionism, and a very little-known character called Rassus, John for Rastuni, who was a member, um, wants to bring in a kind of dominionist Old Testament law requiring, among other things, the stoning of adulterers, idolaters, and children. So the question is... This, this crowd of uh, Christian Americans from a variety of different, you know, subgroups, not to conflate them all together, are kind of dedicated to bringing about what they want to say, what to call a kind of Christian society, right? They it want is, but it, is
0: it based on Christianity or is it based on power? Because we're seeing a twist in this. We're I would say both. And resi- I actually am one yeah, of those really.
1: people who strongly believe that it's not okay to say it's not Christian. That kind of lets them off the hook in a way. Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of religiosities and forms of spirituality in the world today. Some embrace violence. Some are pietist and quietist. It's, but every op, op, it's not okay to say the, only the nice ones are the religious or the Christian ones, and the other ones are not. So I, I worry about that because I think it's important. I'm not, I'm
0: not suggesting the they're nice. I was just saying we're seeing all of a sudden, a, 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 a different factions yes. of this and the Certainly. desire and to do that, kind of the same thing.
1: You know, religion and power have always worked Historically, often very well together, as we right. know from our own history, long history, but also in other parts of the world. And certainly, um, Catherine Stewart has a wonderful book on this, on the sort of core group of Christian activists behind this. And they are, um, yeah, she calls them the power worshippers. So I think that's apt. And that is the kind of approach. But you can want to get power for all sorts of things that aren't nefarious, right? You know, get a better job or health or or, you know, get more money. Or you want to have, so this. Approach to Christianity as an empowerment, in and of itself, isn't necessarily bad politically, but it can play out, and it has played out in America in very, very negative ways. Largely, also, I would argue, because of the way in which evangelicalism is really kind um, of the extension of, of, of the problems of, uh, of the politics of race in America. Right? There's a wonderful book by a friend and colleague of mine, Anthea Butler, "White Evangelical Racism," and I can recommend it. And she really points out that. Um, you know, it isn't really the, the abortion that sparked the creation of the religious right. In fact, it was galvanized in the '80s, in particular, when the IRA re- revoked the mm-hmm. tax-exempt status of Bob Jones University because it refused segregation. So a lot of these questions go back to the problem of race and the problem of the division in America. The most segregated hour still being Sunday morning, right? Um, and so the radicalization, though, I've noticed dramatically increased. Over the course of the Trump presidency, and also over the pandemic, and I would say there's a third part to this that's another massive piece, which is the the algorithm took them right. Um, yeah,
0: I want to say when well, you add that angle and it takes it all and just soups it up beyond comprehension. Exactly,
1: it's like like perfect storm in some ways, um, but also this is something that we've seen historically, and it is worthwhile looking back. You know what happened after the last pandemic, I've noticed this and you know, it's a period that I know for a part of the world that we don't really study much, West Africa. And I, I, I realize now that the pandemic caused massive upheaval that we didn't maybe take into account because it's hard to get your head around. What is a pandemic if it's not lived through one? And I would say that that has really accelerated all these trends that were already visible and created opportunities that might not have existed otherwise for really bad behavior politically. Yeah, curve. and
0: we're getting a feel of that, Ruth. We saw it in the yeah. convoy, which you mentioned, and we're getting now, I mean, earlier we are talking about the, the belief in, in the white replacement theory, even here in Absolutely. Canada. Final question I'm going to ask you here, all these things in, in we're looking and finding out more from this January 6th committee. But right. again, from a Canadian angle, we're finding out that extremist groups are on the rise all across the the country. And, yep. you know, we're just so chuffed with ourselves as Canadians. Oh, we're not Americans. We know we have a different <laughs> political system. We have, a, a, you know, money plays a different part in the political system. So there can be that connection there. However, we're learning and we're pulling up the rocks here, Ruth, and yep. sometimes we don't like what we're seeing.
1: No, I think that's really true. I mean, we have our own difficulties. Of course, we have our own difficulties with religion and our political history. we just got the question of the Pope's visit coming and the... TRC and the residential schools. And, you know, there is that element to to this as well. And so we often like to think we're slightly more angelic than we are, but we don't imagine ourselves as being at the risk of losing our democracy. But I think it's important that we start thinking that way. Um, Because I will say another thing, that this kind of aggressive militant style of Christian um, you know, militancy. And I saw a lot of that amongst the truckers in Ottawa. I listened to the Zello channels and the Telegram channels. I yeah. listened in, in the evening because yeah. I'm sick in the head. And I heard the same I was um, <laughs> the spiritual warfare language, Christian yeah. warfare language that I yeah. hear in the groups that I study. And I was alarmed. Um, I listened to the Frank phone and the Anglophones And I found it in both cases. And I also will note that many, there are members of my university community that felt that it was a good idea to donate some of their partners. Yeah colors. and it was surprising
0: who so who's who's joining in. It's not just, no.
1: it's important for us to understand as well especially in the US when we're looking at these groups these are mm-hmm. extremely wealthy individuals Amway the DeVos family people who fly in private jets to to, serve, to stampede the capital okay they're not our image of you know the pentecostal or the the, the southern baptist no these people the have school. money
0: and when they give they money, they, money they have power ruth we're going to exactly. have to take a break all here right. and it was great to have you as we got analysis and thank you i'm delighted to be here <laughs> okay.
1: at any time um right. that's what we're, we're we're your public servants um all right. great scholars to know that. so i'm delighted to be uh <laughs> all right
0: great to know that ruth marshall a religious and political studies professor at the university of toronto As we weigh in on the connection here, what we're seeing in Washington. I'm Arlene Bond, and this is On Point.